second epistle of Timothy, um, chapter 1. Begin reading in verse 6. Um, privilege we preached previously. Um, talked about the faithful woman in Timothy's life, his mother, his grandmother, um, who had raised him up on, on the scriptures. And then Paul says, wherefore? Okay, it's there because of what he just said about um, them, their influence on him and his salvation. Um, he eventually says, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Who have saved us and called us within a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearance of our Savior Jesus Christ, who have abolished death and have brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For to which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Dear Holy Father, I just pray, Lord, for my wife and son and Sarah away. Pray, Lord, that you keep them safe, that they uh, make good memories there and give you thanks, Lord. Um, Solomon was just awarded a, a scholarship for his flight training. Um, taking that up more up a notch and for becoming a pilot and just thank you for that blessing you gave them and Lord just pray Lord that you would bless your word um, and the declaration of it in Jesus name Amen alright Second Timothy we're reading it um, we see that Paul tells Timothy to um, um, he talks several times of put in remembrance um, or to, to, to stir up the gift of God. Put, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And so he says, stir up the gift of God. And so Azariah, the slides need to go out for sir. I'm to stir up the gift of God. That means that God had given him a particular gift or gifts um, to use. And he says, stir this up, to, to, to use this gift. That the body isn't edified when you don't use your spiritual gifts. God gave Timothy a gift um, to use to edify the church, and he doesn't use it. Then it brings of no profit to the body, to the rest of the congregation. 
And so to stir up the gift of God that's in him is one to recognize it comes from God. You know, the Bible talks about promotion, demotion. You know, that comes, comes from the Lord. You know, God brings up kings. He brings down kings. You know, even in our employment, you know, there's times where God closes doors. God opens other doors and, and grows you as you continue to be faithful to use him. And you want to sharpen, you want to polish um, your gifts for wherever you're employed in. But likewise, in the church, there are gifts that we are given from God, as Timothy is given, um, and we're to sharpen it, to polish it up. And uh, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. You'll lose its effectiveness since you're no longer exercising it. Take a bodybuilder. If he stops exercising, he stops putting the work in, he's going to begin losing some of that muscle mass. He's going to become weaker. You, you know, when I was working out at the gym for six months, that's like the most I've ever done, but when I was working out for the gym for six months, you know what? I didn't look any bigger, look any stronger, but I was getting stronger as the weights I was lifting was easier and I was able to continue weights. Well, once I quit, over time, man, if I go back to it, I'm going to feel weak. And that's the same way with the things, the gifts that God has given us, the talents God's given us. If we don't use them, we're going to lose the effectiveness of those um, abilities. And there may even be where God may take it away. You know, God forbid, you know, if someone has the talent for singing unto the Lord and doesn't exercise that gift, and then God takes it away. That's a true possibility. Um, you have the parable of the talents that Jesus illustrated, where um, one man was given ten, and one was given five, one was given one, and he told him to go multiply the talents, and the talents was the form of money. So was telling them to go make interest, to, to be a good steward of these finances. And the one with 10 got 10 more back. So he had 20. The one with 5 gained 5 more. He had 10. And the one with 1 just buried it in the ground and did not try to exchange it, did not try to invest it at all, and he just buried it. And then God ends up taking away from the one that had and gave to those that had. And, you know, we want to use our talents for the Lord, our abilities um, to be given unto the Lord and to use it, to exercise it. And here we see what's just in thee by the putting on of my hands. And as where it's not uncommon when someone is ordained into the gospel ministry, that several pastors will pray over them and uh, pray for spiritual gifting for that ministry. Um, here we have in particular um, some apostolic confirmation of the Apostle Paul. Um, and it talks it's in 1 Timothy 4.14. He says, I told him earlier in the first epistle. So in the first epistle, 4.14, he says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy. And so there was a revelation, there was prophetic revelation, that he was receiving this gift, so by the word of God, he was being told he's given it, and with the laying on the hands of the presbyter. 
the presbyteries, so that he was given this gift, spiritually manifested by apostolic confirmation. His gift was identified by a revelation from God, apostolic confirmation of the elders as well. And this shows that Timothy wasn't being presumptuous and having a gift that no one else recognized. Okay, if I was to try to solemnly, okay, you, you know what, it, it's going to be much worse than even my son learned, who's learning and, and trying to learn in that. I didn't know they were going to sing today. I thought if we weren't going to do any songs today. I thought I was just going to preach and we'd be out. And you really would be out for the Super Bowl early on. Um, which that's not until 3.30 in the afternoon, so we got lots of time to preach, amen? But uh, uh, if I was to try to sing in front of congregation, the rest of the church would not affirm that is a spiritual gift of mine, okay? For sure. Absolute certainty, okay? And so there's times where someone can be presumptuous, and thinking they have a gift and try to exercise it in the church. They say that uh, that man that really wants to teach on the end times, on the eschatology class, that's probably the one you don't want teaching it. Because um, they might have all kinds of weird things they want to say about the end times. Now, someone that's really studying in it and gifted in it, they wouldn't be a good person to use. But sometimes people just one in it because it sounds fascinating. And so this isn't about Timothy being presumptuous of saying, I'm gifted in this. Church, let me do it. This was, no, the men prayed with him. They prayed over him. The church recognized that he had this gift and he was ordained as the pastor of the church in Ephesus here. It wasn't himself trying to put himself into any particular ministry without the vetting of the leadership of the church. Now, it's apparent to me that Paul was likely speaking of pastoring as being his gift with emphasis on preaching, teaching, and evangelism. As you read the first and second Timothy, you see in 2 Timothy 4 2, it's saying, Preach the word. You know, in season, in season, out of season, you know, when it's popular, when it's not popular, preach the word. Preach the word. In uh, verse 6, verse 11, 13, and 6, 2, he talks about teaching the word of God and teaching the people in the church. In 2 Timothy 4, 5, he tells Timothy, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. And so from seeing these different passages on preaching, teaching, evangelism, which involves teaching and preaching, that's the gift I think Paul is talking about here. You study it out and see if it's something else in particular, but we do see these are gifts that Timothy has. And that he is to use these gifts for the perfecting of the saints or the equipping of the saints for what? For the work of the ministry. That he should train and teach others to do the work of the ministry. And Paul is reminding Timothy that it's a steward of these gifts that God gave him. Do not let them fall into disuse. There are different spiritual gifts. We're not going to get into them all today. But here's some scripture references for you to see on the different spiritual gifts. 
Um, go ahead and write these passages down so you uh, can go to them later. But we have 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, and there's some different spiritual gifts, talents, abilities, whatever you want to call them, um, that are mentioned in these passages. And maybe pray, seek Lord. What are some of the spiritual gifts that you've given me? What are some natural talents you've given me um, that I could use in the context of the local assembly of the church? You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about, you know, we're not all the ear, we're not all the mouth, we're not all the hands, we're not all the feet. And, you know, the hand can't say, because I'm not the foot, I'm not of the body. We're all different members of life. We're not all preachers, so to speak. Um, but we're not all piano players. But there's different giftings that we can be utilizing more people in the body um, with those different giftings uh, as well. And so recognizing your spiritual gift and the church recognizing it, you know, we should strive to see ways we could serve. Now this next verse, in verse um, 7, in Sunday school this morning, we just started a once a month Sunday school. We haven't started up every week yet, but just started once a month um, Sunday school. It'll be on the second Sundays of each month is the plan. Um, and uh, we were teaching on how to study the Bible. How, how, how can we go beyond simply reading the Bible? How can we study? I forgot to put the microphone plugged in for the better microphone, um, but hopefully the phone picked up enough. You can listen to it online if you couldn't make it um, this morning. But uh, the next month we're going to be splitting up and the women are going to be, um, my wife's going to be teaching on lies that women often believe and how to get spiritual victory in different ways. And I'll be teaching, training them in how to teach, how to preach the word of God whether it be in the context of behind the pulpit, teaching a Sunday school class, or simply leading your home, teaching and guiding your home. And so it would be profitable for all of the men, I believe, um, to come to that. But one of these verses I briefly talked about is this verse, verse 7. For God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Popular verse that's on greeting cards or inspirational calendars. Um, that God is not giving us that spirit of fear, but He's um, given us one of the, a mind of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And that's all good and everything. That's good application. But the immediate context is talking about something specific. And that was Timothy to use his spiritual gift. The gift of pastoring and what that God has given them, that he needs to use it and not be fearful. And so often, that's how it can be with us. Maybe we're afraid to sing in front of the church. Maybe we're afraid to play an instrument. Or uh, maybe we're afraid to volunteer for something. But as where the Bible is telling Timothy, fear not. Don't, don't, don't be afraid of serving God, of serving in the church. For God have not given us the spirit of fear. That's not how God is operating us. Um, and the definition of fear is there to be timid, to be frightful, to be scared. 
Again, it often kind of just means a little bit timid. Why would Paul be telling this to Timothy? Why is he telling them not to um, be fearful? Well, it's possible maybe the threat of Roman persecution from Nero could have caused Timothy to be afraid. You know what? Nero had been burning um, the cities down and they blamed it on the Christians. Um, there were those who resented Timothy's leadership because of his youth and because, maybe because of him being conservative in his preaching um, and being a theological conservative and preaching does say of the Lord instead of tickling their ears. Um, and so that could have caused him to fear a little bit because there's those that were opposing his leadership. Um, all the false teachers that were around rising up could have been overwhelming to him. Um, and Paul is telling them that any fear that may come his way in his ministry, it might be, come across as legitimate, but it's not from God. God does not give us the spirit of fear. Our own wonder and mind might. You know, the circumstances may cause us to be afraid of things, but he says, you know what, that's not from God. And he's telling Timothy, don't be afraid of any of these circumstances. You need to be bold. Exercise that gift that was given thee. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has given us the spirit of power. You know, don't be afraid of using your gifts that God's given you. God's given Timothy the spirit, already given Timothy the spiritual resources needed to withstand any hardships and trials. Read in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. Jesus even gave an example. Jesus does say, but beware of men, chapter 10, verse 17, but beware of men. Okay, he's not telling them, be afraid. He's just saying, I want you to be aware. Okay, be aware some of these tragedies, some of these hardships are going to happen. For they will deliver you up to the councils. You know, was it just recently a bunch of people were arrested simply for praying? For um, being pro-life, and then they're and arrested and sentenced for ten years, or or citizens coming up, they're trying to lock them up for ten years, simply for praying somewhere in America where they didn't want them to be. And they scourge you in their synagogues, living in religious places. They know they take you up, and here specifically the Jewish synagogues and. You know, a lot of people didn't like what Paul ended up teaching and preaching. They're not going to like what Timothy is going to preach, where um, they're teaching salvation by grace through faith, but they were trying to teach the workspace of keeping the law of Moses for salvation, or the pagans and worshiping the goddess Diana of Ephesus. And, and, and so with all of those going on, you know what, they're going to be upset. People are going to get mad. And he shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. So he tells them, you know, these things are going to happen. You are going to be persecuted for my name's sake. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. 
For it shall be given you in the same hour when ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And here it takes a, definitely a level of faith, a measure of faith that Jesus is telling us. When they take you, they persecute you. Whether they're throwing you out of the synagogue or they're bringing you before kings and governors, that's going to be a frightful thing, would it not? I think it would be. Okay? You know, to be always untaken up. Even if, man, say they say, hey, they want to meet with me at the city council um, because they heard something I preached. They saw it online or whatever. It wasn't affirming of a lifestyle or whatever it may be. You can be a little bit timid, like, okay, well, my man, you would go before. Why was this? Don't even prepare or think about what you're going to say. So that's going to take a measure of faith. Believe in God. I don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, well, you're going to trust them. You know, me, I'm the type, I want to research, I want to study, I want to plan, know what I'm going to say. But here Jesus says, don't even take any thought for it. When you're brought up before him, when you're persecuted for my name's sake, I will put in your mind what you ought to speak. It's going to come from the Father, which is in heaven. And I wish every time I preach was that way. That would be nice if... I didn't have to study. I just got up and I always came. But that wasn't the contest here. Contest wasn't saying pastors don't ever study. Okay? The Bible talks a lot about study. Study to show thyself um, a working approved of God. Um, that with much study is weariness of the flesh. And so the Bible teaches to study. But in this context, when you're being persecuted and you're being robbed before kings, you know, you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're being robbed before, and man, they had such a walk with God, they said, we are not careful to answer the O king. You know, we're not going to bow down, we're not going to serve thy gods. Not careful about it. It's not something you're explaining about. They had such a close walk with God, or they were able to be happy that whole. And may we work towards that, whether we be able to understand we have that power that, that he's given us, that where it says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. That the spirit of God will help us, the spirit of God will enable us and give us power, divine power, to be effective and productive in spiritual ministry. Ephesians 3.20 says, Him that is able to do a seeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. You know, I know my weaknesses. I know my weaknesses in ministry. And there's probably some you know that I don't know. You're like, man, Pastor, this is your weakness too. And maybe I don't know it. Okay? But you know, it's amazing to see that God will use the weak you know, the Bible says, you know, not many noble are called. You know, that God will use the weak things to confound the wise. And so if we don't feel gifted in something, you know, I say, hey, God, if you want to use me in this way, God, you, you get, you receive the glory. Okay, talking about the Super Bowl, man, I don't know if I should say it in here, but man, I'm having a hard time not rooting for the 49ers this year. Man, you just asked me a couple of years ago, no way! And all that um, drama from Kaepernick and everything, no way. But now with their new quarterback, Brock Purdy, 
total different personality, total difference in, in how he conducts himself. And he, what he said just recently, I, I, I've never been the biggest, I've never been the fastest, I've never been the strongest, but win or lose, I seek to glorify Christ. I seek to glorify God. And he goes, yeah, we were down 17 points this last game. And he goes, my mindset was, win or lose, you know what, I'm going to glorify God. But here's an opportunity God has given me. I'm going to go and try to win. If I don't win, I'm going to glorify God. You know, Patrick Mahomes, who also says he's a Christian and says he wants to do all things to the glory of God. And so praise the Lord for that. But man, you just seen something about property where he really is just having that heart where he did. And the interviewers, the people that interview him are trying to shake him up. They say that. You know what? You, you don't really seem like you're seizing this big moment. That you're not feeling like all oh, this pressure. You're in the Super Bowl. And he's like, well, yeah, I want to win. But you know what? Football is not my identity. Christ is my identity. And he's saying this publicly before everybody. And he says, you know what? Football is just my platform where I can glorify Christ. What a testimony. This is like real. This is genuine. Like, you can tell when some people are just using the religion just to gain fans, just to gain followers. But see how legit he's been and how he's saying, you know what? If I win it, you man, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to glorify God. But even if I lose, you know what? It's not because God has disfavor with me. You know, what are things I could learn from it? How could I get better? But how can I glorify Christ even when I lose? That's how we should be in, in our own life. You know what? And wherever it may be in our life, you know, you get a job promotion, glorify God. You lose your job, find a way to glorify God. <laughs> Maybe tough. But how can I glorify God? One, you're going to be seeking him more, maybe. You know what? Now you need to look for a new job. And it's hard to do when you're in the midst of it. But have a trust and believe in God that God's given us the spirit of power, not of fear, of love. He's given us the spirit of love. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts about fear. Because fear hath torment. He that fear of is not made perfect in love. You know, the Bible talks about the fear of man is the snare unto us. That when we're so worried about what other people think, it keeps us trapped. It keeps us from going out and doing what God would have us to do. And maybe we think, oh, we're not talented enough in this. We stay trapped. You know what I'm sure you know as we start having some of the men different men teach and preach. There's going to be a natural fear, you know, a little bit of a nervousness that maybe creeps up. But just try to remind yourself of this passage. It's not God giving us the spirit. He's giving us the spirit of power, the spirit of love that casts us out fear. And that gives a church body that we love to see those in training and learning. And when they teach and preach, to understand the church is behind you as you get up here and teach or preach for the first time. There's no fear in love. God's given us the spirit of love that uh, spiritual gifts, when properly used, is with a disposition of love. 
not self-exaltation. You see diatrophies in the Bible, um, the leader pastor of a church, it looks like he was pastoring, he was what it looks like he was, and, um, and he would receive not the brethren. That he was proud, he was arrogant, um, that he used his leadership, his giftings, not in love, but just self-exaltation and put others down. You know, our spiritual gifts that we're given, we need to we're using them with the spirit of love. If it's teaching and preaching, that we're doing it out of love. If it's serving, it's out of love and not grudging like, oh, why did this child make this mess again? It'll be like, oh God, I'm so thankful there's kids here. I'm so thankful there's a mess to clean. And you sure teach your kids, hey, no, let's learn to pick things up. But you know, it's being thankful for what God has given us here um, and finding ways we could serve. End of a sound mind. A disappointment. Self-control, properly prioritized mind. This is the opposite of fear and cowardice that causes disorder and confusion. When we're fearful, our mind, our, our mind is filled with anxiety. We end up being um, confused. We end up being double-minded. And I'm a double-minded man. Um, the Bible talks about. Um, is basically is one that's going astray and that's unstable in all of its ways. God wants to give us a sound mind. He wants to give us power, love, and a sound mind. This is also a humble mind, though. Romans 12, 3 says, For I say, though, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Think soberly. To be humble. Not to be using our spiritual gifts out of arrogance. Not to be up here seeing and being like, oh, well, okay, how good I sound. Not to be preaching, they know I'm such a good preacher. But to have humbleness, have, have, have a humility of mind. Now, if other men praise you, so be it. And you know what should you do? Give glory to God. And you know it's okay to say thank you. You know what? Thank you for recognizing um, that way. You know that all glory goes to God. Don't have this false humility that's always like, oh, it's not me. I didn't do it. And, and, and so, you know, you give glory to God, but don't have a false sense of humility. But truly be humble in the thing so God has not given us a spirit of fear, but we're to exercise our spiritual gifts. Tells us to be not therefore ashamed. Be not therefore ashamed. That's the slide I started. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And so that's somewhere he's telling them too, okay? Put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Okay. You stir up that gift, use it, polish it, shape it, and don't be ashamed to stand 
for the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. They say persecute you. He says, but that be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Be willing to be a partaker of those afflictions. There's going to be suffering. You know, when someone hears that, hey, you're serving in church somehow, and they mock you, don't be fearful of that. You know, glorify Christ. Be partaker of any afflictions. And he says, nor of me, his prisoner. You know, those that are spiritual mentors to you, don't be ashamed of them. Don't be ashamed of your parents that are, if they're leading things righteously and doing that which is right. Don't be ashamed of that. But be willing to be partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Verse 9 says, You have saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who have abolished death and have brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. So here he gives Paul, Timothy, a reminder. Just as your gifts, your spiritual gifts, they come from God, that one gift of salvation came from God. Not according to our works, but it was a holy calling that God calls for us, that he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now in the mind of God, God knew all of eternity. He knows who's going to get saved. He knows who's not going to get saved. That doesn't negate our will. We still have an individual personal responsibility to respond to the gospel. We see that Jesus said, How often I would have gathered you and said, He and her church, but ye would not. God desires for all to be saved. But well, he's not going to decree everyone to get saved unless they willingly come and want to believe the gospel of Christ. Now it was already the plan of God before the foundation of the world that our salvation would be in Christ. There's no other way. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. No man come unto the Father but through him. Um, he said, but we serve is he wants to save us away from the lifestyle of idolatry. The idols aren't going to save anybody. Someone's not going to get saved by worshiping a Hindu statue. And that's when Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That they may be able to get saved through Christ. The Muslim is not going to get saved by praying towards Mecca or by doing all of the different works they do. You know, my security child worked with several Muslims, and they're literally depending on their works. They're like, yeah, we all know we'll make it a paradise, but we're doing all we can to get do what we can to get there. Can't make it. We're all with sin. The only way we can make it is through Christ. And that's how God decreed before the world began, that for his own purpose and grace, that our salvation would be given us in Christ. Jesus. Now he's made manifest toward us in our lifetimes, and he's been here, he's died, he's buried, he's 
but rose again that we know him as the risen Savior. He abolished death. He's brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. If you're not saved today, I ask you to let me know when we'll go through the Bible how you can have a clear understanding of the gospel that you may be saved from the wrath to come and have that eternal security and peace that no man can pluck away from you. Paul gives Timothy once more in conclusion a reminder, though, by teaching and preaching the gospel, that you will suffer. He says, he goes this, whereunto I am appointed, in verse 11, a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul's saying, you know what, God has called me, gifted me to go to the Gentiles and preach the gospel. Understand that Jewish people consider these people dogs. They're pagans, and they were pagans. And Paul's like, yes, these are the people I'm going to see their salvation. And he goes, but for this cause, I also suffered these things. He says, I suffer a lot of these afflictions because of the people group I'm going to preach the gospel to. Now, maybe there'll be something that God would call you, maybe to a third world country that seems dirty, seems filthy. But they need the gospel life. You know, I just heard about an African that he, uh, we were, um, that he came to America because he knew that America needs missionaries. You know, England needs missionaries now. England used to be the hub that they would send missionaries all around the world. Now they call it a preacher's graveyard. That preachers go there and it seems like nothing happens. The hearts are hardened. And that's starting to turn in America where the hearts are hardened, where there's more that identify with the religion of nuns. That are not religious in any fashion. They don't um, believe in God or they just don't have any type of religion at all. And that's growing in America. Another guy said that is from Africa. He said, yeah, he goes, it's strange. I come to church in America and there's so many empty pews. I go to Africa and they're filling the buildings and they're filling outside of the building. America thinks it's, oh, we're just more insightful. We don't need religion. We don't need God. And maybe you're right, we don't need religion, but we do need God. We need Christ. No wonder why there's many noble aren't called. That is how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, not because he's rich, but because he trusts in his riches and his own self-sufficiency instead of coming to Christ. Paul says, I suffer these things because I preach to the Gentiles. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul is saying that um, I know who I believe, I'm persuaded that all that I've committed to him, all the ministry, all I've done for his service, that you know Christ will remember that in the day of judgment. This isn't for the judgment for salvation. Okay? Our judgment for salvation is based on whether we receive, put our faith in Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. But there are gifts in heaven. Paul tells Timothy, exercise your gifts here. You know what? In heaven, there's other rewards. And if we're not exercising our gifts that God's given us, 
we will suffer lack of reward in heaven. We'll be saved, but as the Bible says in Corinthians, our works will be burned in fire. When hay and stubble burns up in the fire. But you have precious stones and jewels that when that's your works, they abide that fire. They're not for nothing. They're your works. They're crowns you can cast at the feet of Christ. And you don't need to be ashamed. You um, offer these gifts unto the Lord and God rewards gifts gifts in heaven. He tells them, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. Exercise the gifts of God's given Stir up that command. Exercise it. Build it. God's gifted you in different ways. God's giving people opportunities for you to be around people that I don't have. Now, you know people I don't know. I know people you don't know. But there's people you can make an influence on. By you passing out a track to someone that I may never see. Maybe I'll see them after you give them an invitation. Maybe they'll come um, one day. Maybe they'll never come, but maybe they'll read the message and they'll get saved. Stir up the gift that is in thee. You know, evangelism is a church. Want to stir that up with us more. You know, it's kind of been in disuse. You know, it ends up, we end up losing that boldness to speak. That boldness. You know, there's a time where I remember, you know, especially at Bible college and even after Bible college, man, you're just giving tracts like almost every day. So easy. And how convenient it is when we get out of that habit. Yeah, that habit, you're not stirring up the gift that is in you. God's giving you the gift of salvation. If you've been saved, He's offered the gift of salvation to all. Stir that gift up by leading others to Christ, pointing them the way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us, Lord, to be more evangelistic. Lord, yes, we all have different spiritual gifts. We see Timothy, um, they um, had Paul tell them to preach, to teach, to evangelize, and those are his giftings, and someone else may have different giftings. We're all called to evangelize, though that's a command, not simply a gift. But help us, Lord, to find those giftings we may have. Lord, there's maybe many people gifted in different areas that I, as even pastor of this church, maybe don't know their gifts. And Lord, maybe you stir up them to let me know their different giftings, and maybe we could put them in different use, different role that the body may be edified. Just pray, Lord, as a church that will choose to glorify you, and that we do glorify you. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Um, we got Wednesday night Bible study, six o'clock. Hope to see you come. If you're able to, God bless you. Shake hands, folks. Should be free.